you for joining us for live paranormal radio. From the paranormal to the unexplained, it all happens here. It all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in our live video chat 24-7 with our live paranormal radio show hosts and other like-minded people. Live. Paranormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by Full Interaction Media. Stop by now and join the fun. Stop by now and join the fun. It's raising the vibration right here on the Live Paranormal Radio Network. Please join us at LiveParanormal.com and all of our affiliates iHeartRadio.com, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podomatic, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM. The list goes on and on. I'm your host, Sheena Metal. I'm a psychic medium. I'm an interfaith minister. I'm a 27-year talk radio host here in Los Angeles. And Raising the Vibration was the first outreach of a nonprofit movement of peace, and love and kindness and unity, RaisingTheVibration.org, that I founded in 2016 to carry on my mother's teachings, both spiritual and humane, after her passing. My mom believed that humanity needed to incorporate more peace, more love, more kindness, and especially more unity to think of ourselves as one human family on this earth. And I agree. And as those are the cornerstone words, For the movement, the cornerstone words for this radio show are ascend, evolve, inspire, and love. So basically, how are you raising your own vibration and using that to raise the global vibration of the everything? How is that leading to your ultimate overall spiritual evolvement? And then how are you taking those two wonderful things that you've amassed and using them to inspire others to send the elevator down and bring up 100 people? And then, of course, how much love are you throwing into the world? Because love is really all there is. So every week on the show, I gather people that I believe to be lovely, beautiful, bright, intense, heartfelt, and... These are folks sometimes from my spiritual life, from my entertainment life, from my nonprofit life. And we talk about what's your passion, what's your service. Basically, what are you doing to make the world a better place? My guest today has been a guest on my radio show before, not on this one, but not at this network. But in the past, I first met him when we were involved um, in my friend Glenn Scarpelli and Jerry Gildon's Sedona World Wisdom Days. Uh, He is a wonderfully talented author, speaker, and podcaster in his own right. He podcasts on Ram Dass' Be Here Now Network. He is the wonderful uh, Chris Grosso is here. It's so wonderful to have you here, my friend. Uh, What an honor to have you here on the show. Welcome to Raising the Vibration. Well, thank you very much, Sheena. It is certainly a pleasure to be back. I loved you the first time I interviewed you. First of all, anybody Glenn and or Jerry tells me is wonderful is wonderful. But um, (laughs) I believe that um, good people know good people, and that's kind of how I live my life. But um, I like that you have done so much. You've been involved in so much spiritually. Yet when I first interviewed you, I was kind of blown apart, uh, blown away by the 
the gentleness of you, the um, the humility of you, uh, the fact that you put your ego aside and um, just hit people in the heart, which I think is beautiful. Uh, I now know you because we've been Facebook friends for the better part of 10 years. And um, I like how you're honest about your journey, even sometimes the things that aren't so pretty. I try to do that Hmm. with my own life. I find that to be, for some of us, I think that's part of our service, right? To let people see us warts and all. Because other people need to know that they're not the only ones going through that. So welcome, and thank you for being a part of my spirit family. And I hope we even get to know each other more and more in the years to come. Um, why do you do this? Yeah. Why is it so important to you that you touch people the way you do? Um, yeah, well, wow. <laughs> so yeah, ever since I was, you know, a, a child, um, going back to like six, seven, eight years old, I've always felt compelled in some way um, to help other people. Uh, I've, you know, been an empath for as far back as I can remember uh, on Myers-Briggs, yeah. on the INFJ for whatever that's worth. Um, I'm introverted. You know, I've got all the, <laughs> all the fun things that some of us live with sometimes. Um, yes. But, you know, I, I say that, you know, a bit tongue in cheek because I'm grateful for that. Um, it's very difficult for those of uh, us who are, whether it's empathic or INFJ or introverted or all of the above like I am, you know, it can be very difficult to navigate life and I know that that has certainly uh, played somewhat of a role in some darker experiences I've had because um, you know I I just I do feel compelled to help and give um, but I don't take the time to do the same with myself or I didn't I should say Um, and that uh, yeah it really took its toll on me and uh, it's very important I, I appreciate you kind of um, highlighting the fact that, yeah, I will be very transparent um, often <laughs> to my own detriment in certain ways, but it's very important for me to, for people to see like the reality of mental health and addiction mm. and the places that can take people when they're not taking care of themselves. So yeah, that's, you know, that's been a struggle of mine um, for the better part of my life. And one that I feel cautiously optimistic that perhaps I am on, the other side of knowing that it's only a daily reprieve that we have, but some major life changes has happened uh, for me over the last months, couple of months. And um, this is actually the first interview I've done in uh, a long time. It's at least six to eight months I've taken a break. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm not as skillful in my prose or answers, I apologize to your listeners, but yeah, it's been a while, but I'm glad that uh, it's with you. And because I know we can get raw and honest and vulnerable and talk about things that matter. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you're doing great. I kind of, I kind of hounded you down and said, "You got to do this. You got to do this." You were very gracious in offering to do it because I know this is a very intense time in your life, as it is in mine. I think astrologically, um, there's a lot going on right now. I think this Pluto return has sort of smacked us all in the crotch, and um, mm. I think that the, this was an intense, intense Mercury retrograde that had a lot not just to do with, "Oh, my computer's not working" or "My car won't start," but oh, my God, so many people in my life and I are miscommunicating. And then I think now we're right into the Saturn return, which is always the most difficult, I believe, because Saturn represents our life lessons, right, Chris? So these are the things that keep hitting us over and over again until we get it right and the things yeah. that are the really big issues in our lives. So, yeah, right. I, mean, I am I'm, 
I think it's so important that we be open, open and raw. I don't know how else to live. And it's interesting because I grew up very private. I was raised by a very private person who was Irish and a Scorpio and from New England. Yeah. So it's amazing she ever told anybody anything. Um, and and so I, I don't know when I decided to just sort of open the doors and, and let people see it all. But I think it's because people need that. And I also think in the spiritual world, there are so many people who are not, you know, it's do as I say, not as I do, right? Live your life uh-huh. like this, but I'm not. <laughs> and that's okay oh, yeah. because spirit doesn't expect any of us to be perfect, right? We're just supposed to right. be perfectly right. on our path, screwing it up as we go. But it sure, also sure. is very important, I think, that we remember that um, it's good for people who listen to what we say and who follow what we do or say yeah. to do to understand that we're not perfect either. We're on a journey, too. We may be teachers, yeah. but we're also students, right? Yeah, and, you know, I, I honestly don't even consider myself a teacher. I know that I'm introduced that way often when I speak at events or I'm on shows and and I mean in our, I think in our own right every one of us is a teacher uh in a way but yes I, I agree kind of yes. look at myself yeah I, I'm just a little more of I think an experienced sharer because you know the one thing I know for sure is that I don't know and um you know I've I have figured some things out that have worked for me and helped save my life but you know above and beyond that I'm you know I'm still figuring it out every day just like everyone else and I will never pretend otherwise yes. you know and that's why it is so yes. important for me to be as transparent as, as I uh, am. And, um, yeah, you know, like I'll gladly speak at events or do interviews like these in the hopes that maybe someone will hear something that will, you know, help them av- avoid some of the pitfalls I've gone through time and again. And, you know, that's where my heart's at. That's what my service and, and Seva and uh, what I hope to do in this world because, you know, the amount of suffering is just uh, paramount amongst more people than not. And um, it's it's for, again, not to beat a dead horse with this empath thing, but it's very uh, palpable. And um, I don't wish on anyone. I don't care who you are. Um, it's just, it's not the way to live. And I speak from direct experience. I, I, right. That. So, I, I you yeah. know, I agree. It's funny because when I, I teach a workshop for empaths, for beginner empaths, mm. called Why Do I Feel Everything?, and I always say when <laughs> yeah. I start it, congrat- congratulations, you're an empath, and my condolences, you're an empath. <laughs> it, it really yeah, that, is that a ride. And, it, and, yeah. and I think for me, oh, people always talk about my gifts, my spiritual gifts. The truth is I consider myself an empath first and foremost. Everything else sure. kind of folds underneath that. And it's hard yeah. to go through life feeling everybody's feels. And right. I think that um, – a lot of empaths hide. My mother hid, right? A lot of empaths are mm-hmm. addicts. Um, anything uh-huh. that you could do to escape um, the fact yeah. that you're feeling the pulse of the world and everybody's pain all the time. And that's a lot. Yeah. And it's okay to say it's a lot. We don't have to be perfect. And, and I think whenever you are yeah. in a place of sharing what you've learned with others, you become a teacher. And I understand you being humble and not wanting to take that on. Um, but it's, my mama used to say, my mom had a very hard life and she always did what she could to make the best of it. And she used to always say that she believed that, that God had put her through all of these things so that then she could teach and help other people. And I think that sometimes those of us that 
sort of feel like Job half the time, right? Like they, sure. there's that meme that says like, dear spirit, thank you for the life lessons, but I'm really done now. I mean, I think yeah, those right. of us that right. feel like we've been through that, um, we're compelled to help other people who are going through the same yeah. stuff so that maybe their road yeah. is a little bit easier for, for having listened to us a little bit. And so um, that's why I use words about myself like teacher and healer. Um, I know there are those who, you know, live on that kind of guru essence. And, oh, my God, that is certainly not me. I'm a nice, I'm a nice girl from Connecticut. But, um, you know, but I do think it's important that we embrace ourselves as teachers and healers because we're just trying to help people every day. And um, it's, it's it's not a life for everybody because we also have our own stuff, right? We're dealing with our own suffering and our own learning and our own spiritual path we're trying to stay on and not screw up. And then on top of that, so much of our time is devoted to helping others do the same, to putting bringing that elevator down, right, and lifting it up with those folks. And so um, busy life to be a healer, uh, to be a teacher, on top of all the things that, because we don't get a break in our own lives. It's not like spirit says, oh, well, if you're going to teach other people, we'll give you a break on the life lessons. I think if anything, ours just get, become more because we have to like lead by example, you know? So today on, the, today on our show, like today, how are you feeling about where you're at on your path? Did I lose you? I think I lost my guest, folks. Or maybe we lost me. We're both still here. Oh, nope. I lost the guest. Um, okay. His call dropped. So at least you all can still hear me, and that's good. Oh, no, no. I'm here. I'm sorry. It. I, it did drop, but I heard you. I heard you. Can you hear me now, Sheena? Oh, okay. So it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened, but it's, you know, it's Mercury retrograde shadow period. So how, uh, how are you feeling about your path right now? Yeah, yeah. I heard everything you said leading up to that. So, um, yeah, a great Good. question. Um, I speak to you today from, from Los Angeles. Um, I actually arrived here three weeks ago to this day. Um, very oh, wow. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Three weeks to the day. Um, the week before that I was in West Hartford, Connecticut, where my apartment is. And then 10 days prior to that, I was in a psychiatric hospital, um, from a gnarly relapse to alcohol and my major depressive disorder where full transparency, I was literally trying to drink myself to death. I was as mm-hmm. suicidal as I've ever been in my life. Um, you know, we're going back over 20 years. I did, uh, try to take my life a couple of times and used to be very, uh, involved with self-harm and um, other things of that nature. And, and it's been a long time since I've really gone to the depths of those things. Like I did, I, I did not return to self-harm, but my suicidal ideations, which I've lived with for the better part of my life, um, returned. And I really had given up on life. And, you know, I know it's, it's a bit heavy, so I, I you know, I don't know no, if I need please. to put a disclaimer, but yeah, it's, it's uh, I don't want to trigger no, it's, anyone. It's, I want you know. to be honest. Yeah, okay, because, yeah, this can be delicate for people, I know. and um, But, sure. yeah, I really was in this place where um, I wanted to die and ended up in the emergency room um, and went back up to a psychiatric unit that I was in, actually, just 
a few months prior to that because it's been a rough, a really rough year for me. Um, and I didn't get out of my bed when I got back up there for the first three and a half days. I didn't eat. I didn't shower. I didn't brush my teeth. And this is on top of probably barely eating or showering or brushing my teeth the week before that. I was a mess. And um, while I was there, uh, they decided as a last-ditch effort to try oral ketamine with me. And I will tell you that not only changed my life, but it ultimately saved my life. And, you know, we can talk more about that. What I do want to say before I, I go further is I know this can be a very, um, again, not to use, overuse the word delicate, but a delicate topic um, for some people, especially those in recovery, because there's a lot of misinformation out there about that or sacred plant medicines. Uh, there's a lot of stigma around these things, um, even with the science sure. being what it is. And it's inspiring to see um, all these studies being done at St. John's Hopkins in Columbia. And St. John's just received, I think it was either last year or the year before, a $17 million plus grant um, to study from, from the government, you know, to study um, psychedelics in relation to mental health. And, you know, this is stuff going back even to 2014 when my first book, Indie Spirituals, was published. I personally didn't partake in any of them. Um, I'd advocated on their behalf because I had seen people directly I knew in my life that I thought were going to take their own lives or were going to overdose and die from drug use. And, um, and there was a number of them where I saw a night and day 180-degree difference in them after they started working, whether it was ayahuasca or ibogaine or ketamine. Um, there's, you know, a number of them out there, medical marijuana even. And um, I want to be clear. I know that these things are not for everyone. I've also met parents of uh, individuals who have tried uh, ayahuasca and ibogaine, complete separate circumstances, different parts of the world, and it was a last-ditch effort for them. It didn't take, and they ended up taking their own lives, not because of those medicines. They were already suicidal. They just figured, I'll try one last thing, and it didn't work for them. And some people with certain diagnoses, it can um, exacerbate those and make them worse. So, you know, I, while I'm sure. here advocating for these things for certain people, uh, I'm not a medical physician. You know, I want to be very clear that to say is strictly from either my own direct experience or, again, that I've directly experienced witnessing in others that I know. Um, but that said, it's important to note, to me at least, that um, – with certain diagnoses, certain, you know, brain chemistry for people, it can push them in the opposite direction and make matters worse. So um, if anyone hears this and, and it piques their curiosity, I cannot stress enough. Please do your research. Please talk to someone. Please don't just pick something up and try it. That's exceptionally dangerous. I was fortunate to do three rounds of oral ketamine treatment on a psychiatric unit under the care uh, and supervision of doctors. Um, throughout the country, it's becoming more um, more accessible. Uh, a lot of insurance still doesn't cover it, but um, doing ketamine treatments, um, there are, of course, there are ayahuasca circles everywhere. Those are still pretty underground. But, you know, um, things like even psilocybin microdosing, um, I've worked with that for uh, about a year and a half, two years, making my own, and they have been very helpful with my depression and my anxiety. And I don't take benzodiazepines anymore thanks to those things. And I don't take um, right. narcotics. You know, I take natural plant medicines. And it not only helps my depression and my anxiety. I have a herniated disc and two bulging discs I got from a 
running injury. And I went from after trying physical therapy for three months, getting two rounds of cortisol injections in my spine, um, trying all different sorts of things to the only thing that made a difference was um, CBD and THC, a ratio I use where it's for anyone who knows it's um, what ratios are. It's, I get predominantly CBD where it's like 20 CBD and then one THC. So it's not psychoactive because for me, Feeling high like that gives me anxiety. It's counterproductive. However, when it's a, a higher dose like that, the, it alleviates my pain to the extent where I could barely get up out of a couch to I couldn't run again because the injury was that significant. But I, I go out and hike 8 to 10 miles, and I can do that with minimal pain thanks to, again, that CBD THC tincture that I'll take. So I, I don't want to, like, drag on and, and not give you – I don't want to hold your show hostage here. But um, I, those are all just a few things that were coming up because, again, I want to be very clear that um, this is and these things can be delicate. And I can't stress enough, just pick up and, you know, try using them, especially if you're someone who does have mental health issues or addiction issues. Um, it needs to be done, in my opinion, at least, you know, uh, with a lot of research done on your behalf and, again, under the care of uh, professionals. So um, that's a very long answer to where am I at today and how am I feeling? And that said, I'm feeling better than I have in my entire life ever. Uh, and that's, I, I were can't you, uh, surprised that that was something that was offered to you in a hospital? No. Um, that, I, that, 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 I, I was going to say no, just because I had heard, uh, that they had done it there occasionally. And I was the one who brought it up with the team and they were actually very, very much on board because ketamine, especially in, uh, you know, I have MDD, major depressive disorder, and it's used for a lot of people as a last ditch resort to um, treatments that aren't taking for people with depression and that were, that Mm -hmm. are exceptionally suicidal like I was. Um, So they were all on board for using it. Um, They don't do the IV ketamine, which um, I've read is even more potent in its healing properties. But for me, the oral ketamine was, um, after the first session, absolute night and day difference after just one, let alone the two uh, subsequent ones I would do after that. Um, I'm grateful that I had an incredible nurse while I was on the unit that administered all three after I talked to the psychiatric unit. She was very caring, would check in on me. Um, again, so I was in a supervised setting, so it was a very safe thing. They uh, would take my blood pressure and make sure you know it wasn't affecting that. Um, so that's why I, you know, I'm kind of going above and beyond and stressing, like, make sure you're doing this the right way. It's something you end up wanting to try. Um, but no, I was grateful that they did it. Not really surprised again, cause I'd heard they had done it. Uh, and you know, the day I left, I was there 10 days and I met with the psychiatric team. I'd meet with them every morning and I said to them, you know, please let this be a testament to the power of this medication. You know, you guys saw me walk in on day one. And I wanted to die, literally. I can't stress that enough. It wasn't a cry for help. I had friends stop over my apartment when I was around the clock drinking, blackout drinking. Didn't matter the day, or I'm sorry, the time of day, 2 a.m., 2 p.m. If I was up and coming out of a blackout, I would drink myself back into a blackout. Um, I really was mm-hmm. trying to just drink myself out of this world. And, um, and friends would come over, and, and I would make them promise that they would not call an ambulance or the police on a, on a wellness check. And um, it got to the point where a friend did end up calling an ambulance and uh, probably just in the nick of time because I went in and I blew uh, a 0.46 blood alcohol content. Uh, that was two hours after my last drink. So it was definitely over 0.5. Uh, 
Uh, for people who don't know much about that, a 0.3 blood alcohol content, if someone blows that, it's usually death for the majority of people, even lower than that. Um, but right. that's the yeah. amount I had been drinking. So I was out of control and, and intentionally so. Um, but yeah, so I, I said to this team, like you saw me on day one and here I am at day 10 and for the first time in perhaps 43 years of my life, um, I can say that I actually have love for myself. I actually have a sense of, um, care about me that, you know, I'm just as much a thread of the fabric of the cosmos as anything or anyone else here. And I deserve that love and wellness that, uh, all beings deserve. And, you know, it's something that I have given um, in my life to others through my work, uh, but never to myself. And for the first time, uh, it's been about a month, and it's still, you know, surreal. Like talking to you right now, it's surreal that I actually feel worthy of good things in my life, that I actually don't hate myself, that I can look in a mirror and not shudder at what I see, you know, reflecting back at me. Um, and, and I attribute that. Yes, I've worked with meditation for over 20 years, and a myriad of um, just other coping skills and wellness skills and meditative practices. I mean, you know, literally written books on this stuff and it has certainly helped and it's played its role and it continues to, but these treatments in the hospital brought me to what Jung would call, you know, the shadow stuff, my repressed material in my unconscious that I had, I've been working and striving diligently to try to access through any and every means that I became aware of. And even when I've had multiple years of sobriety and on paper would be deemed well, there's always this kind of shadowy, dark stuff that I was aware of deep within like the farthest reaches of like my heart center. And I just could not get there. And in the 12 steps, they say we're only as sick as our secrets, you know, um, and that's what keeps us sick and suffering. And it wasn't that I was intentionally avoiding these things. If anything, I wanted to face them, but it wasn't, I guess, time for me until I did this treatment. And I was able to look at a lot of this stuff. The medicine brought me to that place. And I was able to work with it and, and sit with it compassionately and reown and reintegrate a lot of this material that otherwise had just been sitting there. And again, it was like a, an anchor, you know, this dead weight on, on my soul and my well-being. And um, ketamine for me, it's not, I've not done ayahuasca. I've not done ibogaine. Um, so what I've heard, the major differences is those can be quite um, hallucinogenic, uh, whereas for me, the ketamine treatment I did was more, uh, much more uh, introspective in nature. And not just while I, I uh, would take it in a few hours afterwards, but I almost even more so like later in the night, because I'd usually take it to late morning, be later in the night when it was quiet and I was laying down for bed. A lot of what I, I, I don't know, for lack of better phrasing, downloads I would receive, things like that would make sense to me or things I had forgotten about or repressed and they would come up and I just, it softened me so that I could sit and hold space with them and hold space for me while I held space for them. And yeah, again, I, you know, I, I apologize for kind of talking at length about this, but um, it's, and even everything I've said doesn't begin to do justice to the experience, but I, I want to be very clear because of the stigmas out there and how close minded a lot of people are that this is a very real thing. And it really, is saving lives for the proper candidates. And, you know, it just breaks my heart that is so difficult for people to access these things. It, um, you know, there's no money really to be made in big pharma right now. And I know that that's a bigger reason than anything. Also the government, you know, like these things open people's minds and, and help them to think for themselves. 
and I'm sure the majority of your listeners are already doing that through their own meditative practices or whatever it is, you know, that they do in their wellness and healing journeys. But for the majority of society, you know, they're happy just at face value. You know, they're happy with whatever the media is telling them to be happy with, whether it's music, arts, news, you know, um, just, I, I, I think I'm going to stop myself there because I don't want to sound like I'm being judgmental or opinionated because that's not the case. I just, I've always wanted something deeper out of life. And um, I, I feel like this is helping me go um, to the deepest of depths of what I've, I've been trying to get to. So very great. Sure, sure. Matter, and and, and you have matter. to find the thing that's your thing, right? Everybody right, has right. a different thing that is their thing and everything works different for different people. You have to Absolutely. find the thing that works for you. And that 100%. is so much a part of your healing, you know? Yes, Everybody, yes. Um, do you know I'm a cold turkey girl? Uh, yeah. That's how I have to quit things. Um, I'm yeah, Irish, sure. so go big or go home. Um, I was so smart in my life thinking I'm never going to drink. I'm never going to touch a drug. I'm never going to smoke pot. I'm never going to have a cup of coffee because I don't want to be addicted like all my Irish relatives. And then I got addicted to sugar and got super fat. So you Ah. you can't outsmart the universe, right? When you have to learn the lesson, you can't outsmart the universe. So um, for me, I got to stay off that sugar because if I come near that sugar, that I'm I, like, I will be eating a box of C's candy and then I just become the devil. So right. important, some people can cut back on things. Some people yeah. can't. And some right. people, you know, like to, like to do herbal medicine. Some people like to take regular medicine. You have to sure. find the thing that works for you. And I think that's yeah. a spiritual and emotional and a physiological decision at the same time because all of our yes. systems work in a different way, you know? Yeah, and and I I cannot agree with you more and stress that enough. Um, We are all unique individuals. We're all uniquely wired. Our neurochemistries are all a bit different. And that's why, yeah, like um, I always stress, um, even before I tried uh, the ketamine in the hospital, um, I've taught for the last seven years uh, workshops with teenagers at a mental health facility. um, And they're there for whether it's addiction, self-harm, eating disorders, uh, suicide attempts, you name it. If it falls under the mental health umbrella, they're there. And often they'll ask, like, well, what do you suggest? You know, what, what's worked for you? And I'm always very clear that here, here's some things that have worked for me, but just because they worked for me does not mean that they will work for you. Some might, and that's right. wonderful. All of them might. None of them might. Like, right. what I advocate for is finding what works, just like you just said, what works for you, what is something you can stick with, and, and honestly, using discernment, using whatever means of support network you have, whether it's friends, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a sponsor or a mentor, whatever the case may be, what is it that you can find in your life or combination of things in your life that is going to help continue facilitating your wellness you know, in this world so that you're not only well for you, but you can bring the best, most skillful version of yourself into this world. And, and serve, even just your presence can be of service, whether you're not, you know, formally feeding the homeless or volunteering, just showing up in the world as a kind, compassionate, skillful human is an act of service, especially in this day and age. So, um, yeah, I can't agree with you enough. Um, I think just when it comes to these specific topics that I'm talking about, uh, a lot of people, myself included, kind of wrote them off. And I never, uh, as I said, I never judged them but I'm like, oh, I'm in recovery. You know, I can never touch that. No, like these medicines, um, upon studying them for years, 
uh, are not um, addictive in nature. Anything, you know, they help with addiction for, for a lot of people. Um, I know there's a fine line with marijuana. I understand that wholeheartedly. That's why clearing the ratio right. I use because I'm not trying to use something that's going to make me feel psychoactive or not myself. Uh, that's not something that interests me. My interest is in coming as fully integrated of a human uh, as I can. So again, I can live well and I can help others live well in whatever capacity I'm able to. So, you know, for me, the, the illness isn't the drugs or the alcohol. Those are the symptoms, you know, just like you, I, when I've had like five years sober, I would watch the illness manifest in the obsessive compulsive thought disorders with sugar or overspending or empty sex or binging television, you know, same exact behaviors, just different substances. And while granted, Mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. less, you know, I'm not going to end up in jail usually from eating a cake like I would drinking and, you know, going out and getting in fights or just acting unskillfully, but it'll, it'll still take its you know, toll on me over time. But I absolutely was cognizant of the fact that, wow, this is just like the way I would drink, you know, eat something five minutes later, go back into the kitchen, just like I was going to get another shot that I didn't need of alcohol. I'd go back to get exactly. another like chocolatey treat. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's something I have to be aware of. And I find that these medicines I'm, I'm working with, like, they help me be aware of that. And also, if I do fall into that pattern, I don't judge myself enough, or not enough, excuse me, I don't judge myself as much. Uh, that's not to say that I just let myself, like, go all in on them either. Uh, it's just, I've, like I said, I, I find a lot more compassion for me today. Um, and those are the catalysts. It doesn't mean I still meditate every day, twice a day. I still practice loving kindness and service. And I do, you know, it's a very integral mind, body, spirit approach to my wellness that I take. So it's not like I just defer and, and you know, rely upon things outside of myself. Because like my guru in Ram Dass's, um Love Serve Member lineage, Maharaji, when he talked about hallucinogenics, he would say, you know, sure, they, they can, they have their place. They can bring you into the room uh, and you can see the face of Christ. But ultimately you're taking something from outside of yourself to get there. And that's only going to last in your system so long. So you're going to have to leave that room. The trick is to find your way in there and not have to leave. And that's through other means and methods like right. meditation and yoga and proper living. But these things can be a catalyst to help you in the way and your way. Yeah. Yes. It's interesting. Cause I tell this story all the time when I first, um, I was in my early twenties. I dated a guy who was very, um, had been raised in the Midwest, you know, very different than mm-hmm. how I was raised in Southern California. Uh, well, all over the country, because my mom was just a very free spirit. And um, yeah. you wouldn't have known it. She looked like a, a nice lady from New York, but then you you got to know her, and you were like, wow, super free spirit. She wore it on the inside, as I think I probably do too. Um, hmm. Anyway, so when we first started talking about our spirituality, when he and I first started dating, he said, have you – so I was 24 when I met him, and he was 23. He said, how did okay. you come to all these – ideas about your spirituality without psychedelics and he was serious yeah. because for him yeah. spirituality had started with with mushrooms with lsd and i just sure. kind of laughed and i said well but i was raised in a house where you could ask anything you wanted to or talk about anything you wanted to so right. i didn't right. feel the need for psychedelics i learned how to ask those questions and receive the answers from spirit myself so everybody yeah. uses a different thing to get where they've got to go depending right. on who they are. And so, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I'm not a big meditator. I know that's horrible. I tell people, to meditate. I tell my clients <laughs> all the time, 
I yeah. uh, I like to just leave the channel open and have an open right. conversation with spirit whenever they want to yeah. speak or I want to speak. I don't put it all into like 10 minutes a day. I just leave right. that hatch open all the time. Now, that comes with its own problems because if you leave the hatch open, then everything can come through. So I'm constantly grounding and warding and putting screens and filters up so that everything doesn't fly through my giant empath channel and wind up right in the center of my core. But I like the idea of constantly having a conversation with spirit and always being in service. But that doesn't work for everybody else. Some people have to open that channel, then they got to shut it down. So everybody lives in a different way, right? And we need to not judge each other for what what our thing that works is. And we need to um, find our own thing that works and not expect it to be somebody else's. And so beautiful, you know, you can sit here and have this conversation respectfully and really listen to one another and meet where we can and and honor the differences where they are. But, you know, at the same time, it's all about like unity and diversity and celebrating one another and their unique paths and finding those places where we can come together in the spirit of love and service and kindness and just being well for ourselves, being well for other people. That's what matters, you know, and, and that's why what an honor it is to, to sit here on this, you know, lovely afternoon in California and, and share these words with you. And, and, uh, and I think it's beautiful that you found your path the way you did. And, and I did too. It wasn't psychedelics that brought me to the path. You know, it was certainly addiction kind of broke me down to a way that I got onto the path. And I had used prior to that psychedelics hundreds of times, but never in a sacred context. I was a teenager that just liked to, you know, do weird things and watch weird new movies, like drop some acid and go watch David Lynch or Quentin Tarantino films, you know, and (laughs) that was me when I was like 14, 15, 16, 17. And um, so again, never doing it in a sacred way, but you know, one of the dearest teachers to me um, that I've ever not directly learned from, but, but through his, his writings is Ramana Maharshi. And what a beautiful example of as a teenager, you know, he had this experience where he felt like he was dying and in his thought, he's like, well, let me go into this. And that's where he experienced his ego death and became the, you know, just incredibly brilliant teacher that he was. And so it's, yeah, I I just want to be clear that psychedelics is definitely not the only way there. Um, You know, they, they made their way over here as you, you know, you're familiar in the sixties and, it, the West is a very material culture, and um, you know, we, we kind of got an introduction to God back then in a way that I think a lot of people needed. But, but again, at the end of the day, like, that's the stuff that can help open you up, um, but it's not the stuff that's going to get you there on a permanent basis. So, um, you know, there's a difference course, between sure. using them in a spiritual way versus a mental health way, even though those lines intersect and, and kind of cross over at times. Um, there is a bit of a difference um, for me at least. So that's, but again, that's just me and I'm not claiming any truth or ownership of truth. I, like I said earlier, the one thing I know is I don't know. I can tell you my direct experience. And that's why, again, I'm an experience share. I'd say more than a teacher, but that's really just semantics at the end of the day too. So. Right. Right. Because I think a teacher is an experienced sharer. I mean, I yeah, think sure. I think that we're, you know, it's so funny because my best friend and her husband worked for many, many years for a very well-known psychic person and um, mm. really lived in that community. I've never, I'm in and out of the community. Like I consider myself a part of the community, but I don't, um, I don't tow any party lines. I do my own thing. Sure. I, my mother was a psychic right. medium. I learned from her. 
Um, I didn't have to take 6,000 classes because I learned from her. I had a sensei with me all the time. She did her own thing because, again, Scorpio. So, um, you know, so when I first started doing this work and really started living out loud and started telling people about my gifts and all that stuff that when I was an artist, I kept inside of me and just did the work covertly. My best friend's mom, who's like my second mom, said, oh, God, Sheena, just promise me you're not going to become a guru. And I laughed, <laughs> right? When I said those words like guru and life coach, like Such hey, a that's dirty great word. for other people to wear those, but they, it's just not me. Like I don't, yeah. I don't want you to like toe any line where you. I remember once yeah. another spiritual practitioner saying to me, "Doesn't it make you so mad when you tell the clients what to do and they don't do it?" And I'm thinking, yeah. "No, I, I don't." Right. Never occurred to me. I just pass on whatever I'm passing on, but I don't expect you to do exactly as I say. Sure. I'm just passing the messages from spirit on, and then you decide what to do with them. That's not for me there to come back later and say, well, did you listen to me? See, you didn't. Right. Um, that's just right. not where I come from. I can't even imagine that. But I think yeah. that's when you let your ego become a better part of what you do, and you suddenly right. decide that you're this all-knowing who is uh, everybody must heed your word. But, man, Chris, I'm still figuring stuff out for myself. Like I can (laughs) give people great advice about a lot of things in their life, and many of those things I've overcome. But I'm not done. If I was done, the good Lord would take me home. I still have stuff I'm working on. (laughs) So I'm not, you know, some all-knowing. I'm not sitting on Mount Olympus looking down on everyone. Um, right. I'm just me, right. and I'm just trying to pass messages on so more people can get healed and be happy and maybe learn, like I said earlier, maybe learn from you and me a little quicker yeah. than if they had to sort of figure it out on their own, which sometimes we had to yeah. do. I mean, I think that's yeah. the beautiful thing about being a spiritual teacher is you're helping others to maybe learn the lessons a little more expediently because there's someone sure. they can trust and learn from. Yeah, and that's at the end of the day what matters to me more than anything. And that's why, like, in my book, when I offer various meditation practices or coping skills, like, I'll draw from all of the great wisdom traditions. I'll draw from CBT or CBT, you know, therapies. I will draw from stuff that I've just kind of created on my own in the hopes that, you know, sure, maybe, like I said earlier already, I think in our conversation, a lot of this might not resonate, but even if one or two, three do, wonderful. If all do, great. If none do, cool and I'll, I'll give you more resources to go continue on your journey because yeah like boy I, I look at my past and all of the things I've been through and it's nothing short I mean literally nothing short of a miracle that I am still alive today and uh, I, I just don't wish the amount of pain and suffering and darkness I've experienced on anybody and you know this year alone I've already lost four friends you know it's two to suicide two to overdoses we're halfway through the year mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just sorry. This yeah. Year. yeah, I mean, and, and thanks. I just, that's the reality of this thing. And, and that's why, like, again, if those other medicines um, are kind of last ditch effort, explore in a skillful way, like do your research, talk to people who've done them, talk to your doctors. Um, and if not, you know, again, I'm not trying to proselytize on behalf of them. I'm just, again, this is what's been great for me and helped. And uh, God, honestly, I wish I'd, uh, well, no, I was going to say I wish I tried it sooner, but it wasn't my time. I wasn't there yet because I do trust in the divine order of things. So um, it was my I believe that too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, because I think you can really like, like yeah. trip yourself out. You know what I mean? You yeah, can trip yourself out starting to do yeah. the what if I'd learned earlier? What if this had happened earlier? Right. That's just kind of like a that's like a mind trip we don't need to go on. Yeah. Yeah, shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? But no, here we are right now in the uh-huh. present moment, and that's where, where we are. So, um, yeah, but I wanted to say, like, everything you've been saying, I'm sitting over here. I've been nodding my head the entire time, you know, during this conversation when I'm listening to you speak. Because even though, you know, our paths are, are different, there are similarities. But at the end of the day, I think our sure. intentions and our hearts are in the same exact place. And to me, that's the bottom line right there. Inside, not outside. You know, Absolutely. What, yeah, what's going on well, in your and, life? And, like, and, and healers about? are healers, right? We all heal yeah, in different yeah. ways. But right, we're all right. healers. And it's, um, it's all about um, connecting with other healers. You yeah. know, I mean, that's Absolutely. what I look for when I see a doctor. I look for somebody who is, who is a healer, who understands um, the idea that they are helping to heal you. And in healing yeah. you, they are getting healed. And, um, I, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't dig like the doctors that are like, I know everything and you must do this. That's, that's not who I, that's not what I, that's not where I come from. Um, some people like that. Some people want the doctor, right? The psychiatrist, also doctor, the, the clergy person to basically tell them how they should live their life. But I think everything, whether you're, at church or you're taking a workshop or you're in a session or you're having a surgery, it's a co-creation between you and them. Absolutely. And you kind of both have to be on the same page. You know, I tell the story all the time. I have this amazing doctor who has been my doctor, I think, since he started practicing. His father was my doctor since I was 13. And when yeah. his daughter passed, he took over the practice. Ten years ago, um, he, I had to have a hysterectomy, and I'm in this hospital, mm. and, you know, I, got, I get very anemic when I have surgery, so it's supposed to be a two-day stay. I was there for eight days, and, yeah. you know, they wake you up at god-awful hours and take your blood. You go back to sleep. I woke up, I think it was like seven-something, and I'm not a morning person, and I had this beautiful room that sort of overlooked the Newport Beach Harbor, and then he was just sitting next to me, and he had his hand like on my, like the blanket was over my foot and he had his hand like on the blanket over my foot and he was just looking out the window, making notes, just kind of like yep. having that contact, you know, and just sort of Absolutely. being there with me. And I thought, you yeah. know, every doctor took a little bit of time and just spent that 10 minutes. And then we kind of had this great conversation about, cause we both grew up two town, one town apart, because I grew up in Huntington, he grew up in Newport, this idea of like, oh, are you a surfer or a skateboarder? And it was like a 20-minute conversation and about a little bit about music of that time, because we're the same age. Um, yes. I healed so fast from the visits from him. Sometimes it was just a phone call. Hey, how you doing today? But the personal message of it, if every yeah. doctor could just capture a little bit of what that man has, people would heal yeah. so much faster from everything. And there's, and there's like I, a, a yeah. level of humanity that you put in there, yes. you know? I Yeah, you know, and it's so interesting you say that because it, it takes me back to last month when I was in that, that unit, that psychiatric unit. And there was yes. uh, the majority of the staff there were, were great. I give them a lot of credit. But there was this one nurse who just, uh, she went above and beyond in her job. And I'll never forget, like, the first day she came into my room. And I didn't have a roommate at the time, so she sat in the bed next to me. And I was just in a really bad way but like I remember feeling heard I remember feeling validated in what I was experiencing 
her compassion and care was, um, you know, palpable. And, and this was the nurse that administered all three of the doses and was the one who would check in on me. And, and it was just, it was such a human interaction, especially, you know, being in that such a dark place. That was, that was instrumental too. I don't want to make it sound like it was just the medicine. No, it was, you know, it was this individual as well helping me and, um, you know, a real yeah. lifesaver of a person. And I'd be remiss if I also didn't say that connection is huge. You know, I, I said earlier that I'm introverted yes. and that would lead to me for, to, to isolation and that's not good. So now I, I still do AA meetings, like not a lot of them, but a few a week. I have a sponsor. Um, he's in San Francisco and a uh, great guy. He's like over 25 years sober, works at Thrasher Magazine, Skateboarding Magazine, and got sober there. And nice. we FaceTime once a week. Yeah, for an hour, we read through the big book. Um, I do refuge recovery, the Buddhist approach to uh, recovery, and I work on the, the inventories with a mentor there. And so, you know, it's, I want to be clear that, like, there are other things I do, and some of them are more formally, like, recovery-based. Some people just don't vibe with sure. that, and they find their own way, and so it leads us back kind of to what we were saying earlier. Sure. Hey, you know, whatever, teach their own, as long as you're getting well and not harming others or yourself, God bless. Who are we, who am I to judge? You know, like. Ex- just, exactly. And yeah. no matter what yeah. it is you're recovering from, you have to have the utmost respect for what the recovery yeah. program is and what the book yeah. is and what Bill W. Yeah. did. Um, that's yeah. not, that's not my thing. I didn't, I didn't get sober from sugar that way, but sure. I have yep. huge respect for somebody who, who, like we were talking about with us, right, lived out loud, was open yep. about his own challenges, and yeah. dedicated his life to helping others. I mean, ultimate service. So even if you're yes. not oh, an yeah. addictive person, you have to have the highest respect for that kind of service. And yeah. um, it's like I have the utmost respect for anybody who is walking in the light in what they do it doesn't mean it's necessarily the spiritual vocation that i follow i'm not a nun or a priest or a christian minister i mean i work at a christian church but it's it's very progressive christian um but i mean i'm not an evangelical minister but i have nothing but respect for what people bring if they are walking in the light and they are doing good and positive things it doesn't have to be my gig but I have nothing exactly. but respect for them for doing it. And I think That's, human yeah. beings, I know I tell this on the show almost every single day, so forgive me, but I have a friend who's a dolphin communicator. And I oh, asked him yeah. once why dolphins have so much success with folks on the autism spectrum. And he said, mm. because a dolphin meets you where you're at. A human being uh, expects you to meet them where they're at. Yeah. And I it's, always yeah. think about that. We expect other people to be carbon copies of us. Why can't you be more like me? Why can't you yeah. do this and be more like me? But people aren't supposed to be like you. You're supposed to be like you, and they're supposed to be like right. them. So yeah. have respect for them that they followed their own path. Couldn't you agree know, Somebody more. told me, I, yeah. look, I submerged myself in a block of ice for two weeks, and that's how I got sober. I'd be like, fantastic. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if that's, how you, yeah. that's your thing and you're happy, great um you know whatever it is it's you have to do what you have to do and i think you're magic i think we should do this again soon and talk some more i'm thrilled that you're here in los angeles i hope its energy is resonating well with you it's a magic place yeah very much so i've been to other spots in california never la but i am so happy here like i'll be here for at least nine months if not longer and uh what a what a gift 
and a blessing this is right now to yeah. to be here soaking this up. Um, yeah, it's just humbling and an honor, and yeah, just life on life's terms, but uh, flowing beautifully. Love it. Where yeah. can people find you online, my friend? And let's do this again soon. Yeah, I would love to. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm on the social medias, just you know, my name, Chris Gross, G R O S S O, and uh, the podcast. If you search, uh, it's on the Be Here Now Network, and you know, lay my podcast aside, they have Ram Dass, Alan Watts, Sharon Salzberg's over there, Jack Cornfield, like incredible podcasts. So uh, the Be Here Now Network. Beautiful. Um, you just Google that, bhnn.com, I think it is. But yeah, so website, cindyspirituals.com. And yeah, I always respond to people when they reach out. So if anything, um, you know, came up in this discussion and people want to uh, reach out, please do. I will get back to you. It might take a little time, but I always respond. So um, I really appreciate you giving me the time and um, you know, holding this space for me and, and allowing me to talk about some things that maybe you weren't expecting, but that's part of what I love about I you and why I wanted to do this show first coming back. So it's great, Sheena. I really appreciate you. I'm honored, my friend. Thank you so much. If you missed any of the links for Chris, please go to SheenaMetalSpiritual.com. That's where you can find me for all of your psychic spiritual needs. You can learn a little more about me and um, fish around there a little bit. I'd love that. Find me on social media. I'm everywhere just at Sheena Metal. And uh, don't forget that I also do some live readings and a little spiritual advice at 4 o'clock on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday on Live Paranormal's video network, which is at facebook.com slash Paranormal and other social media. And uh, Wednesdays, I'm here doing my Haunted Playground show, 5 o'clock Pacific time on Wednesdays. And don't forget... My web TV talk show, The Sheena Metal Experience, is on uh, KGRA Digital Broadcasting Network on Fridays at 3 o'clock Pacific Time. Till I see you next time, my friends, seek peace, live in love, lead with kindness, embrace unity, always work to raise your vibration, and remember that you are love and you are loved. I'm Sheena Metal. I'll see you next week. I love you all. Take care of yourselves and take care of your hearts. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.